Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, podcast land? Welcome one and all to another fabulous episode of the groundbreaking and history-making show we like to call The Garage. We know you're all super busy out there grinding it out towards the holidays, and we want to thank you for lending us your ear for a short time today while we discuss every detail of retail media and how it applies and how we can make ourselves better. So without further ado, let's get into it. If you're not familiar with our setup here in the garage, just want to fill you in. Uh, if you are familiar, groovy, you get free time and a gold star and, and for all the work that you've done so far. But we like to think of ourselves as craftsmen working on innovative products that will ultimately help one and all reach retail media nirvana. We bring in some of today's best and brightest craftspeople, true masters of their trade, to help shape our journey and educate us, thus leaving the space smarter, healthier, and better than we found it. And speaking of smarter and healthier, I'd like to introduce my co-host, a man who's been called by some, mainly me, the maestro of the makerspace, the VP of product and innovation here at Albertsons Media Collective, Evan Havorka. Evan, what's good, man? Good morning, Dan. Always so gracious with the intros. Really appreciate that. Yeah, excited for today's episode. We've got one of the brightest and funnest people to work with in the industry and uh, bring some more fresh content to our listeners. We're excited to intro our guest, but first, hey, there was a little break there, Evan. Had a little turkey day in the middle there. Did you enjoy yourself? Had a good time, yeah. Minnesota, Thanksgiving, always a good time. A little crisp. We are getting to see uh, winter weather showing up, so as soon as that turkey's done, everyone's moving into Christmas light mode. I was doing the same as soon as all that was digested. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, uh, it, it was it was busy. It was jam-packed with family and fun and food. I'm glad that this is a podcast and not a video cast because I'm filling the screen <laughs> a lot more than I was before. But you can always solve life's problems with uh, more frosting or more gravy. And we went with the more gravy side. So Yeah, um, camera's not the only thing that can add 10 pounds. A lot you know, of bad decisions around the holidays can uh, yeah, be the same. Yeah, my, my diet does that, as a matter of fact, yeah. <laughs> But listen, if you didn't get as much gravy uh, as you wanted, fret not, my man, because today our guest is going to serve up an all-you-can-eat buffet of knowledge, if you will. <laughs> she is an industry leader with over 20 years of experience in strategy consulting and marketing. She currently leads the Pinterest teams responsible for client partnerships with all retailers in the U.S., the VP of retail at Pinterest. Carrie, I hope that got that right. Carrie Sweeney. Carrie, thanks for being here, and what's going on with you? Thank you, Dan. I'm excited to be here. You got it exactly right. And nice. I'm just thrilled uh, to chit chat with you guys. Every time I'm, I'm with this crew, we have fun and we, we talk big ideas. So fun to do it in this environment. Carrie, one thing you need to know about Evan and I is we are if we are not having fun, we will make it fun regardless of venue or appropriateness. So welcome <laughs> to the Inappropriate Garage Perfect. podcast. Pull up a stool. You know, let's get started. Uh, uh, we've been we've been meeting with some of our industry peers, talking about all the the cool innovations that are going on within the retail media space, and and ultimately shaping this path towards what we're calling retail media nirvana. Now, in previous episodes, we've discussed things like partnerships. We've discussed things about taking your own inventory of the current assets that you have and can bring to bear to the market. Now we've gotten to the point where it's that awkward teenage stage where we're growing up and maturing. And, and today we're gonna to talk about that RMN maturity curve. And 
you know, I don't know about you, but 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 high school was rough. I am I I I was not the gorgeous figure that I am today, but uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about that because Pinterest, frankly, has seen and you, with all of your experience, have seen all the different iterations of what we now call retail media, and want to get your thoughts right off the bat on on what you think and what you feel about the current state of the retail media industry, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a big question, but I love that analogy of, of adolescence and growing up because we are seeing, you know, a few retail media networks that have been doing this for years that were out ahead of the curve. And then there's, you know, what, over 30 that have really materialized in the last year or two. It's, it's wild. It's been, we've just seen such an explosion. And so I think it's fascinating to see what's becoming consistent across all the, all the platforms and what's very divergent. There's more of a role for strategy than ever. I think as we see more and more our amends crop up, I think the biggest thing I've seen is that you know five six years ago when when Pinterest was an early off-platform partner for some of the most nascent retail media networks, we were just happy to get anything live. I think on both sides, the retail side, the, the Pinterest <laughs> platform side, and the brand side. Like okay, there was an M M&M and M campaign with Evan when he was at Roundell and it showed up on Pinterest and all the pipes work and we got some impressions and some clicks. That's great. Let's start getting benchmark data and, you know, start figuring out, okay, well, those click-through rates were actually awful. Why? And and how do we improve that? And I think that's very much the the spirit of, of growing up is, is getting the data, looking at it and figuring out how to improve. And And I'm delighted to see that that's happening. I think across the industry, everyone's you know, looking at their, you know, their strategy, looking at the, the KPIs they have to hit and saying, how can we make this year better in service of, of the end customers? Yeah. Uh, and continuing with that maturity curve, you know, Dan and I personally are not as advanced, not moving down that maturity curve as quickly as we would like or our partners <laughs> would like. But in the retail space... Us, hold on, know, uh, hold on. Us or Albertsons Media Collective? Because I, I know... Dan and I, Dan and I yeah, personally. Yeah, I'm stagnant. I like giving up. Arrested Development comes to mind, but we'll talk about that on a separate podcast, some self-help. That's a, that's a whole different issue. We'll be I got giving less advice, asking for advice on that. Correct. Well, maybe a call-in section. <laughs> but, but Gary, you know, retailers didn't make it easy, too, and we still don't. We, we have a lot of, we are not ad tech experts. We are retail experts, and we're becoming retail media experts. But when you think about what modern technology and partnership looks like, the, the microservices, the APIs, the, the all the data feeds, accuracy of item data is still an issue across the board. We can show up in bigger and better ways, and, and a lot of us have, have begun that journey or are almost completing it. But it makes it tough then to have standardized solutions that work for all of your retailers. Maybe t- talk a little bit about how you see Pinterest filling into that, filling that standardization role. How much clout can you carry and how much excitement do you see across retail media on the word standardization? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think credit to, to you, Evan, and, and Christy and Dan and the crew, you really brought it to the forefront pretty vocally in the past year, this need to standardize. And at the most, again, breaking everything down to the simplest level, because we all hide behind acronyms and, and you know crazy verbiage in the ad tech space and the RMN space. But I think some of the folks on your team, Evan, I was talking to about a year ago, and we were laughing that someone would tell, you know, some brand would say, well, I got a $400 ROAS on this RMN or, 
you know, Carrie, I got a $6,000 ROAS on Google. And it's like, what are we <laughs> talking about? Right. Like the, the yeah. denominator. You don't need to talk to us. Yeah. Just stay there. Right. Do like, that all day. If you're getting that, like truly never call me again. But it's it's like, there's something <laughs> about how are we not all talking about what is the denominator in, in this ROAS calculation? How do we not Math have the matters. same window? Like, and it did fall apart in the early wild, wild west days of, of our events that people would ask and no one would answer. And you would just keep putting numbers on slides that didn't have the right asterisk with all the details like it's on this window it's you know considering these other factors and I love it that you guys are pushing for standardization on that and especially as we see the IAB and, and MRC and other um, third body kind of governing parties come in here more I think it's good for all of us we have to be super clear and transparent on what's working and what's not and if something's not working that's okay but don't try to fudge it or hide it in a different you know a different metric let's all talk about the same ones and and figure out i think pinterest has always been historically an earlier touch point on media plans of any type rmns or others um mm -hmm. and i've seen firsthand that there's such a receptivity in the market to that to saying hey we know less click isn't the end all be all there's something powerful about an early touch point that changes consumers minds if they're on Pinterest looking for chicken recipes, we kick them over to, to an Albertson site where they decide they're going to buy this brand and they're going to fill their basket with these other add-ons. There's a lot of incrementality and power there in Pinterest. And I'm not going to tell you our one day last click ROAS is X. It's not, but that's okay if our purpose is elsewhere. And at the same time, we're building up our some of our lower funnel and shopping and conversion ad products to look good on a tighter window. And that's a narrative we should all be having, but on very standardized, clear, clear windows. Yeah, you're, you're hitting on another topic. Sorry, Dan, I'm stepping on your questions here, but getting excited. Do it, man. Hey, this, yeah. you're, you're the co-host. This is your podcast. <laughs> you're too. in it's control. Okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go, man. Go pilot. The, you know, we get, the re retail media in general gets positioned as a lower funnel sales model. So yeah. not last click, but similar in concept. You know, a lot of retailers predominantly have sales off platform, offline in, in the physical brick and mortar. And so that last click is is a bad metric for both of us, typically. It's not a bad way to optimize a campaign, not a definitely a good metric for a digital only company, but a lot of the, the grocery space and beyond sell a majority of their products in brick and mortar still, like to the tune of 90%, even for some of the biggest providers out there, investors, I should say. And so we, we want to have partnerships with those who are inspiring, who are educating, who are brand building and finding new customers, new audiences, because without that, you know, living in just the last click or the, the, the sales funnel, the lowest part of the sales funnel has limited growth. And, and I think we can help you. You can help us with that partnership piece. We can layer standardization on top of that, too, because if you think that's the truth, why not make it the same solution across each retail media for the basics, right? There may be those flagship products yeah. that someone wants to stand behind that unique media buzz generating product, but the the block and tackle meat and potatoes piece of it, turkey and potatoes should look and feel the same from a selfish reason too. Why do we need to go invest our precious engineering time on building something that forces another conversation, whether it makes us look better or not. Now our sales team has to describe this or it gets lost in the mix. Someone's extrapolating, someone's not. Someone's grossing up for cash. Someone's not. Right. We should be able to paint with a similar picture, make life easier for all the retail media networks, make life easier for partnerships with platforms like your own, and then spend our precious time on those truly unicorn reason, uh, reasons for being. The rest should be simple. Copy paste. I totally You'd think it'd agree. Be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Copy paste is how I got through high school. Guest check and refine <laughs> works. 
in, in all forms, optimization, anything you can think of, that, that rule still applies. I'm geeking out a little bit because Pinterest, in my former days as a teacher, if you think about a first-year teacher who's way in over their head and it's the first, the first rainy day and the kids are inside and you would give anything to get into the veteran teacher's uh, file cabinet to find some rainy day activity and it was guarded and locked and boy, you had to know somebody to get it. Along comes Pinterest, and it's all there. Somebody has solved this problem for you. What I geek out about as that transfers into my life at a grocery store is that I don't now need to just shop item by item. I can be inspired to not go buy the the chips, but what kind of nacho recipes are there? And somebody yeah. has solved this for me. So what is is really cool is to me is the tie in how people think about shopping ahead of time uh, and what tools Pinterest can bring to bear on that. And as we grow up and we think about growing up as a retail media network, where do you see more harmony between a platform like Pinterest and how our shoppers shop and what we can do to solve for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I love I love the teacher shout out, by the way. That's a huge use case for us that a lot of people don't know if you're not one. And another use case that Evan knows is tattoo research. Uh, totally off topic. On. That's a story Stop. for another time. Nope. nope, that's a story for right now. <laughs> Explain that one to me real quick. 30-second tattoo research. Oh we'll get goodness. back. We, we Listen, we have plenty of time to get back to grocery. Let's talk about tattoo research. I, I feel like I'm going to do it an injustice, but I, I can come in with the closer. I, there's a, a certain mystique when you're partnering with Pinterest, especially at events, where their their mission really comes to shine, I think. You guys have one of the best installs at most of the events we go to, but the, the premier one, Khan, is just unbelievable. You've got such a unique experience. Like, get offline, I think was the one two years ago. Yeah. Get offline and do. Like, get your inspiration, figure out what you're going to plan your wedding, how you're going to remodel that kitchen, what your recipe and food needs are going to be for that kid's birthday party, and go do it. And you bring that to life. I don't know how many acres you had dedicated in Can, but then all of the events within that including tattoos, maybe nice. do a little more justice to that, Carrie, and then I can come in with, with how we participate yeah. in that, because we want to support you in all facets of your work. There you go. No, you nailed it. We, we, um, <laughs> our whole mission is to help people design a life they love, and that means getting off the internet, doing things in real life. So that's very much the ethos of, of how we bring events to life. We did this in the south of France. We hit, flew in kind of a world-class tattoo artist um, who's pretty well-known in, in London, because people are always searching for images of, of tattoos on Pinterest. Again, little known use case. And one of our, the first two people in line to get real life tattoos, not, not temporary tattoos, real tattoos, <laughs> were someone on the call here, first in line Monday morning at our event space in the South of France. And thanks to you. <laughs> I can't, I swear to God, I can't take you anywhere. I can't let you out of my sight. You're off getting tattoos. You are your mother's worst nightmare. Right? <laughs> this is all the things that she was worried about that you'd go out in the world and do. You're not the first to say that, but but the tattoo application was was the least of her concern. But yeah, we got first in line. We signed up early. I mean, the line was huge. So thank you, Carrie. And I got my first tattoo at a Pinterest marketing event. Without How blinking. Cool you just did it. <laughs> it wasn't the Pinterest logo, thank God. And, and people yeah, did come well. up to me the whole week saying, wait, it is a fake tattoo, right? I'm, they're like, Evan didn't get a real tattoo. I'm like, he did it. He did it. I mean, can I get a pin code on my arm that would like <laughs> take me to a, like some kind of curated board? Wait, 
there genuinely was a Wall Street Journal article about that trend, not Pinterest, but just general QR codes. And apparently, as you get older and your skin wrinkles, the QR code doesn't work as well. So maybe, maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. Speak for yourself. A little Botox will tighten that <laughs> QR code right up, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen, but I okay. digress. But, but I digress. <laughs> I bring that up for a reason because you yes. did. So, so teachers and tattoos, not expected Pinterest behavior. <laughs> but that is the beauty of Pinterest is that we see such a variety of, of search behavior and queries. And I think to your point about how does that help Albertsons, how does that help retailers? We see at the simplest level, 96% of searches on Pinterest are unbranded. So people are coming with that open-minded, creative mindset saying, I either want to scroll through some beautiful ideas passively in my home feed. You know, I, I'm searching for best Thanksgiving ever, you know, aesthetic Thanksgiving. And then they start getting ideas, seeing and saying, oh, I want to start bringing that tablescape to life, that recipe. And that's where they flip to our search bar. And we are, you know, we are a search engine, which a lot of people don't think of us that way. And that's where you start to see really interesting consumer insights that we can sync up with what you're seeing from your sales data and your consumer behavior data. So it's such a powerful way to say, hey, we're all about pushing from inspiration to action Albertsons and retailers are critical in that action. Let's help this pinner make it the best Thanksgiving ever. Let's, let's match those audiences. Let's port them over to your site. Our, our goal very much at Pinterest is to be a retailer's best friend and get our people primed and ready to buy the right thing, something that delights them. Get them over to your site as seamlessly as possible. We're not trying to have people convert on our site and take a fraction you know, of that, of that revenue from you. You guys are retailers, you do it best. Our job is to get people to you and let you complete, complete that transaction. So it's been a pretty beautiful partnership with, with that nice mix of us bringing the macro and then porting them over to you to, to kind of delight them in the end. Yeah, you've, you've summed up almost all of it. There's one key component that's missing. You knew we were gonna get there yeah. on the measurement side. Yep. But I wanted to hit on, you know, we're, we are great at selling individual items, getting those lists built, <clears throat> providing the coupons and the weekly circular, still very popular uh, facets of our site, especially in, as the economy continues to struggle. Yeah. But what we, we can, and we can sell that, but when we want to do the inspiration, when we want to go upper funnel, we want to bring that product to our CPGs and our investors because they, they, while they could sell one product, they would also love to sell a solution and tie it to a memory and tie it to an inspiration moment. And so that requires recipes. It requires yes. more curated content grow that basket, grow that brand loyalty and conversions for the brands. And you can do that with, with the beautiful content and the, the types of search and behavior on Pinterest because people are looking for that birthday solution. Now, we, don't, we may not sell the rented pony that the kids are going to ride on, but we can sell all the products and snacks and drinks and napkins and paper plates that go along with it. Yeah. We can tell that whole story <clears throat> in an ad on Pinterest, unlike almost anywhere else, that really it makes everything work better, right? The CPG can sell more products, we can grow our basket, makes the cost of the of the ad investment a little lower when you spread it out over more sales. But that sales piece is still required. So while the inspiration's there, the click happens, great, they're back on our platform, they're now looking at their local Safeway inventory or Jewel Osco or Albertson's inventory, they got their coupons loaded, they make the conversion off platform, even though they did all this digital work. How do we prove that back to the CPG, right? Yeah. Again, it's that, you know, our word goes pretty far, Dan and I's combined, but it's losing credibility day by day. <laughs> How do we prove to those CPGs who are smart as a whip and have their data scientists looking at our, at our results, 
with a, a fine tooth magnifying glass, if that's a good analogy. How do we prove to them that this thing is actually legit, right? Marking our own, grading our own homework, back to the teacher analogy, gets you so far. We need help, especially if we're going to do things off platform, which is a big focus for our growth. Maybe talk a little bit about how Pinterest is leaning in and helping us solve those problems. Yeah, great setup. And I think it particularly resonates with the theme of adolescence and growing up. You know, early days, we we just weren't there. There was this legacy, I think, discomfort on both the retail side and the platform side to share data. It used to be, you know, verboten to say a retailer is going to send their sales data, like their secret sauce externally, or, you know, a social network is going to share their user behavior and their their ad exposure, like that's that stuff was behind lock and key. And I think, mm-hmm. Evan, you were a really a early champion of that, of saying, unleash the data in a privacy safe way. We we tend to conflate privacy with like with an excuse for hoarding data, and that's not what privacy is. There's ways to share data in service of, of proving our worth in a way that's very protective of of the consumer and additive to them to keep giving them better and more relevant ads. So what we did, and I think was a, a pretty big step change in, in growing up, was really, I think, champion clean rooms together early. You were our first partner almost exactly a year ago to partner with us with LiveRamp to say, we're going to, to look at Albertson sales data, Pinterest ad exposure data, and show the CPGs that were our pilot customers exactly what their dollar spent on an ad got them in terms of sales in-store and um, you know, online. And we're working towards adding on incrementality and other more sophisticated metrics on top of that. So I think that's the spirit of growing up in a nutshell is try to do something that hasn't been done before. Get comfortable with letting go of things that you might have guarded tightly in the past mm-hmm. and get some proof points early and then keep proving the harder and harder things you know, together. So is it so put your consultancy hat on or your or, and and help us here so for for not just us but it, trying to leave the retail media space better than we found it. Yeah. Why is it so why is it so hard? Ugh. Why is it so difficult to get some of these things done or over the finish? It's easy for us to sit in a bar and talk about it. Why is it so hard to kick it off and get it uh, get it all put to fruition? I think at the simplest level it's it's project management is hard. And I what what that means to me when I was in consulting PMO or project management office cases were sometimes viewed as like not sexy. It was, you know, having a checklist of activities and dates and red, yellow, green Harvey balls. And it wasn't like the big thinking. But so much of the work of aligning the different stakeholders in the RMN space is project management. I remember, Evan, working with you five years ago, we were figuring out how does this work? How does the data flow? How do the ads, the pipes work, the ads show up? And early days at Pinterest, we had a nascent sales team. We had a nascent, you know, an engineering team, but that hadn't done a lot of ads or monetization yet. And I remember sitting on the Pinterest side with cross-functional teams saying, this is a racy document, you know, responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. Like, who's the decider on all these things and who has to be informed? And that is not a sexy acronym or a fun, a fun you know, <laughs> PowerPoint slide to make or Excel to make, but it's crucial to say, and on the retail side and the platform side, to say, okay... Merchants, you're used to having control over site design or over this or that. We're now coming in and saying, hey, we think this, you know, inventory at the top of the page might be better off as an ad instead of some organic slot. And we do the same thing on, on Pinterest. That's a, it's, there's more similarities than that to all these different digital platforms. How do you serve the customer best? Is it organic or paid? Should it be 
this type of square, that type of rectangle. And it, it doesn't seem hard, but when there's so many legacy players that have strong opinions, and, and they are big decisions, changing your website is a big you know, dollar decision. So a lot of it is assembling the right players and making it really clear who has the final decision, but who should be informed and considered along, along the way. And so, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, but it's also it's a lot of work, and it has to be done compassionately and, and with listening and respect for different functions. Oh, glad you hit on that, the compassionate piece. I mean, that, that is the mantra of the garage, and, and Dan hit on it. We're not here to promote the collective's products or Pinterest products in general. We can brag about them or use them as proof points, but it's really about collaboration and rolling up your sleeves, putting our humble hats on, and working with trusted partners who, where it's okay to ask dumb questions. Exactly. Or, you know, how does an item feed work if you don't know? Yeah. It's like, well, some people are going to have 14 years of item feed experience and feel like that's the 101 question. Others are going to be hitting it for the first time, but have tons of ad tech or ad serving or auction experience. And if you don't have that opportunity to have that humble, hold your heart in hand conversation with trusted people, then it turns into a vendor relationship, right? And a vendor relationship is great if you're buying a commodity type of product. You're going to go invest in this CRM system that's been around for 20 years. You're just looking for cheapest price, best support, whatever those happen to be. In the retail media space, especially the way we were talking about it, that was before any clean room ever existed. Yeah. Those original architect diagrams that we drew up. And so how, how would that have ever manifested if we needed to bring in experts that could prove how these things work? It just wouldn't have happened. But we planted seeds. We curated those seeds over time. Yes, the, the PMO aspect was a little bit missing. But if it was all structured like that, we wouldn't have had the conversation in the first place because it would have been so bizarre and abstract and, yeah. and obscure. So the trusted piece, the, the ability to have an honest combo is how we got that architecture designed. And that, that's really what all retail media and publisher partnerships should look like. It should also then funnel into some sort of standardization down the road because yes. that's a good path to unicornism. But ultimately, the other part you hit on is preserving existing business models, right? And there's no better way to kill innovation and growth than trying to preserve an existing business model. Mm -hmm. So that mantra needs to be there as well. That, that requires other PMO work back internally. I'll speak for, for Albertsons, but they're, they're very interested, very aggressive in pursuing alternate revenue models. Until you put it into practice, then, then you have to really figure out, well, when and where and how much are we going to start shutting this piece down and ramping that, that piece up? Yeah. And how do you do it with confidence? So then it moves out of ambiguity, out of the garage and into something much more structured which was, you know, we did it with, with the clean room, with you on closed loop, yep. but it took a lot of time and it took a lot of confidence. The industry had to catch up with third-party clean rooms. So now we did have a trusted source to put our precious data in. Um, but without all the preceding work and conversations and trust, we wouldn't have got to the point we're at now. That's so well said. And I think I remember early days saying, when you guys place ads through your retail media network on Pinterest, the click-through rate isn't as high as some of the CPG food brands buying directly. Why is that? I mean, just having the openness to say that and knowing that you wouldn't say, oh, this doesn't work and we're going to pull the campaign right away. Be really honest about signals that are either promising or need to be improved. And then we've figured out how to optimize and improve everything so that campaigns were super performant and then brought in, mm -hmm. brought in the clean room to prove it. So there's there's something about the longstanding relationships that allows you to say things that in other relationships you might be worried about saying, and you just you have to get over that here, or it all falls falls apart. I have zero problem <laughs> stepping on my. I listen. 
I give him 10 reasons a day to fire me. If it's something I said on a podcast, then that's uh, that's my legacy. But speak. So here we go. Right. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, that's not how we always have done it mentality. Let's talk about in store a little bit. I know yeah. that that Pinterest is a digital first type platform. However, in store has become quite the hot topic for retail media expansion integration. What advantages do you see of the in-store integration for digital channel presence? What are the what do you see as the the opportunities? What are the challenges? How do you see that coming together? I've heard more about in-store this year than I think ever before and I'm I'm excited for it. I think at the heart of this industry growing up, we see a lot of the the CPGs, the the investors, the partners, whatever we want to call them, they are demanding more control than ever. And and rightfully so. When we were all nascent, it was all managed service. It was, okay, Brand X, you bring your budget, let the retailer and the, the off-platform partners like Pinterest figure out what's best for you. I mean, we, we really acted like full-service agencies. And some of that will always exist. Like Some of that is, is very helpful to brands and, and what they want. But on the other hand, they're starting to say, nope, I just want a little bit of this, I want a little bit of that. And when we can bring joint in-store opportunities together, it just gives them more choice, which is always a good thing. I'm excited to see more digital options in stores and, and more screens, more you know dynamic creative. That's hard. I know the drawback and, and what's a challenge that, that you guys face regularly is your in-store teams have incredible complexity already. You know, if something breaks, how do they fix it? How does it take, what is, what's the setup look like? Just adding one or two screens on an aisle or an end cap can be lots of downstream work. Yeah, I can't just can't yeah. can't just run an extension cord. <laughs> Correct. I mean, the, the the logistics like that are not thought of a lot. Truly, if someone trips in your grocery store, that's a big how, deal. Can't do how that. How am I gonna How am I gonna turn it on? <laughs> Truly, like some like oh, I yeah. said, some of this is not rocket science, but the complexity when you're scaling it across your network of stores is huge. So I do think that's why we haven't seen a lot. I've heard some retailers say, "We have, you know, two thousand stores." and half of them are pretty dated. We're investing a ton of CapEx to clean up our stores, but before we redesign, we're simplifying. We don't want more junk in the stores. We don't want more coupons and signage. So there's been kind of this effort to simplify and then bring in thoughtful screens and signage, but you don't want it to get too cluttered, I think. And and the CapEx is real. You guys are on, you have, grocery has a lot of tight margins and you have to be thoughtful. You can't just be throwing, you know, expensive screens up everywhere and not be sure of the, of the ROI. So it's right to be thoughtful, but I'm very excited that I think you guys have always thought differently about the in-store footprint and how can we really see that come to fruition more than ever. Yeah, I, we, we are excited about it in-store. In-store has been a hot topic even before clean rooms, yeah. but the execution of it remains not yet perfected in any in any major brick and mortar that I've experienced. You see pockets of hope though, and um, you guys hit on the reasons for that complication. But the other part is our store employees, I mean, they are the lifeblood of, of this organization. Our divisional leaders, our merchants, those are the people getting the right products in the right shelf at the right price. I mean, that, without that, there is no reason for retail media because that, that's how the customers come in. They get what they want at the right price. They repeat. We've got loyalty yeah. programs. That's our lifeblood. So then putting monetization on top of it is so sensitive. But with the right inspiration, with the right purposeful placement of those ads, uh, display screens that uh, they should be in service of that that shopper. So again, Pinterest's mentality shows up well there too because it's likely it's going to be a recipe play. It's going to be an inspirational moment play. It's not going to be a NASCAR banner ad. No disparaging against NASCAR, <laughs> but that's not the experience we can have in those stores. It should feel like 
oh, I walked through this, I found something new, I didn't realize you could merge those two products together, here's how to make that new recipe, awesome. I should leave feeling more inspired or more connected to that store experience than, than the opposite. Oh, and putting okay. it on an ad, an ad on a website, that's, that's not that it's easy, but you do it once, it spans our 12 banners, we're good to go. Right. Putting it in the store, that's 2,000 plus locations to get things wired up, things installed, oh, yeah. and then the strategy behind it, yeah, how do you sell it, traffic it, we... For good reason, it has taken a long time, but I think 24 will be the year we see a lot of maturity coming. We've seen big announcements from other retail media networks. I feel like they're bits and pieces. I think there's no one solution for in-store as part of the problem too. Not that there's one solution for digital either. You've got to work with social platforms, open web to platforms, yeah. and then CTV platforms, but it feels much more similar, right? It's audiences, it's measurement, yeah. it's all digital. It's a lot of repeat stuff. In-store, you've got shelf signage, in-store signage, digital screens. There's, there's five or six different major components that are not served by the same company. So then there's a lot of contract work too. But now that we've got our digital act together, we can bring those learnings to the store side. And I think 24 will be a big moment for, for Albertsons and hopefully retail media as a whole. That's well yeah. said. I'm, I'm excited. I think there's elegant solutions that we can figure out that are simple, that we, we tested our pin codes in the past with you guys to expand the shelf edge where they could scan a QR code that took them to recipes and content. We know 55% of pinners actually pull up their phone in grocery stores, which is kind of crazy. If you, if you aren't using Pinterest as a, as a grocery shopping mechanism, it's to realize that most, most of our pinners are is remarkable, and they want to look in aisle and say, I'm standing in front of the Ritz crackers. What can I, I was going to just grab a box, but what else am I making with these? How can I add to my basket? And giving them that, that code in aisle in the moment of decisioning is inspirational and great for average order size and, and basket size. Well, let's go down that road a little bit because yeah. some of some of us helped to pilot yeah. that program. Someone here, yeah, who will <laughs> remain ago, nameless. Yeah, who will remain nameless. He's devilishly good looking, but yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I do. I do first want to 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 mention Evan. You actually touched on a little bit, and, and Carrie, you did as well. There, standing in front of the Ritz crackers. In, in my not so humble opinion, the most important channel that we see in store is getting the merchandise right. Merchandise. Mm -hmm merchandise merchandise so that we they know our audience knows where to get the right items at the right price at the right time now with that that expansion of the shelf edge with the pin code that we talked about that that is a way for them to say here's what I normally do what else could I do as a result of that and so you know just thinking about how we worked together in the past and and saw this we we forced a bright spot we knew we needed something we didn't go out and find it we worked together and forced the bright spot. We had some great partners with uh, with our friends at Mondelez. In fact, they were yep. on one of our episodes of this of yes. this podcast, right? I listened. I listened. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> back in back in the day, and back in the day was I'm not going to say how long ago, but what we what we thought we could do was combine a little bit of outdoor digital media on the Pinterest platform with some killer merchandise in store, and then amplify it at the edge of the shelf with a Vescom tag that had a pin code on it. So ultimately what happened was we, we the, the genesis of this was the out of store is gonna be the trip driver. Once we get them in store, this pin code then becomes a basket builder because I don't just need one of these products. Yep. Now I need five or six of them. And weird, Yahtzee, we saw tremendous results. Huh, <laughs> now we have to scale and replicate and that's where we've gotten into the conversations of the what well, that's not how we've always done it yeah. what what needs to be true to make this happen 
this racy isn't very sexy, right? And so that that barrier is something as we grow up as an RMN uh, is a continual challenge, but it's not one that we perceive as not achievable or we can't overcome it. It just comes down, in my opinion, to conversation and to Evan's point, being humble. Uh, and maybe there's a different way to do this. So thinking about omni-channel self-service automation, you talked about that a little bit yeah. with, with our, our friend, our CPG friends, our vendor friends want just, I just want to do it myself. Just get out of the way and let me do it myself. Yeah. What are those perceived opportunities and barriers to providing platforms like yours where these external partners can manage their own program? What do you see as the, the, the benefit? What do you see as maybe the challenge? Uh, and where's that heading? Totally. I, I love this topic. I think most RMNs and platforms and brands all agree this is very much the way of the future. There has to be open-mindedness to letting brands control their buys a little more with both of us. And that that can be scary. Like, no, Albertsons and Pinterest, we know the best way to get the you know best return on your spend on our on our shared platforms. You know, brand XYZ, you don't have to, you don't have to get in here. Let us do it. And it's just not the way of the future. We have to relinquish that control. So we're very open to this kind of agnostic approach to buying. You can buy it this way. You can buy it this way. You can use an API partner, you know, like Sky. You can use a third-party partner like Trade Desk, where there's a lot of conversations about how to make the buying easier and, and meet our brands and our partners where they are. So I think, I think that's actually going to be a big theme for 2024 is you're going to see more of these partnerships. There's a lot of exploration right now. And, and Evan, we've talked about this, you know, mm-hmm. what if a brand can't afford a full managed service buy from Albertsons as much as they would want to, but they know that your audiences are crazy, you know, powerful. What if they were running a brand uh, direct campaign on Pinterest out of their own brand handle and they wanted to apply your audience in Pinterest ads manager? We don't do that right now. Could we do that? We're, we're open to talking about it. There's pros and cons. We'd have to figure out what's the value and the right people in each way along the ecosystem would have to, uh, you know, make sure they're, they're, that value is getting recognized. But you can start to see a menu of different margins and price tags with the different value that we all add. And that transparency and, and flexibility, I think, is, is good for everyone. It's really funny when you think of the retail merchandising strategy, right? We sell that filet mignon. Yeah. We also sell... The, the, the hot dog, because customers want choice, they want price points to solve their food needs. We have to have the same mentality with our with our products. And so we call that like service diversity. Yes. Certainly managed service <clears throat> needs to be there for a lot of on-site and owned channels like websites and apps, very sensitive to be bringing in unapproved, unmanaged creatives, yep. it creates a, a lot of concern. But off-platform opens up a whole new window of opportunity. I think that audience Autonomy is a good one. Measurement autonomy. We could be measuring national campaigns against our sales. Would it be the the only measurement that that brand would need? No, but it could be a very fast proxy to how those ads are resonating with consumers in store and online. Yep. And it, and that's maybe great for optimization. Or there's an extrapolation component that their data science team or your data science team could play to tell the whole story. And and those are dollars that aren't going to come to a managed service campaign ever, right? They're run by a major agency. Exactly. They've got national coverage. They need to tell this this beautiful new big story. And RMN's classic products, RMN 101, 201 products don't fit that model. And so then what? You're forcing brands to to diversify their budgets. I mean, they already were, but we can help bridge the gap to tell the full story. And we'll just play different roles at each at each part of that journey. You know, we can get into the lower funnel sales absolutely all day in the regions we cover, yep. but we can help them plan better, 
measure better, target better uh, in the platforms that enable some of that self-serve. So yes, yeah, so we do that on Trade Desk. That's a little, um, it's an easier platform to integrate. Yep. But with our Clean Room partnership now, I think sky's the limit on other services we can offer through that Clean Room um, as ways to enrich managed service or to extend our capabilities into the agencies and, and own brand managed campaigns. And that's how we want to show up. We want to have the filet and the the hot dog, not to despair hot dogs. <laughs> are you Give hungry right now? Like, are you hungry? I'm always, <laughs> I'm always hungry. Yeah. It's yeah. killing me not to snack on this podcast, but <laughs> well, I'm told chewing on microphones is not oh a good uh, thing. Uh, yeah. nope. <laughs> it's off-putting. Gross is another way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> off-putting. Uh, that's a funny one. There's a good joke about Zach Balfinakis off-putting, and he's talking to Bree, Bree Nelson, and uh, he should be off-putting. Because yeah, he's, he's a bigger guy, but it was a nice Between Two Ferns episodes that we don't have to get into. <laughs> but off-putting always makes me go there. The diversity of services is, uh, now that cleaner tech is is a pretty pretty well-known commodity, it has to be done with purpose. So when you combine exactly what that CPG might want or an agency might want yeah. with a purpose-built clean room, the variables get so reduced, right? We don't have to solve the world, right? We're living in a place where people are already trafficking. Great. We're on Pinterest. The agencies know how to play with that world. They've got their own hands-on keyboard people. They're just looking for bits and pieces, right? We don't need this full clean room concept with endless possibilities right. around modeling and ingesting new data sets. I mean, that's all fine for the right level investment, but most people want, just want quick, easy access to the things they do every day. So meeting them where they are, that's the term I you triggered there for me, Carrie. We use that all the time. Yeah. Let's bring our assets at the right price point to the places where people are already playing. Sometimes we're gonna play the whole game for them and that'll be a managed service. Sometimes we can be an advisor or uh, a data enabler, and uh, we need the, publisher, the publishers and the platforms to help enable that for us with safe, privacy-safe tech-like clean rooms. Then you've got the full suite available, and people can pick and choose what they like. Well said. I, I think it, it goes back to that mindset of not being territorial. Like, well, that's not how you used to buy us, or we didn't. You used to have to buy A through Z, and now you just want to buy A and B, and it's like, well, yeah, because otherwise, if we're not flexible you know, brands will walk away versus us being a lot more customized together on, on giving them exactly what they need, not more, not less. And if that means for Pinterest, us, you know, having partnerships in the third-party ecosystem that we didn't before, we're always excited to explore those. I think we've taken pride and we don't hide behind our walled garden status. We've joked before, like, we're, we're lowering the walls, you know, it thoughtfully and, and with the right transparency and safety. But we know we work. We know we drive incrementality. We know we're a unique place where people are in a commercial mindset and they want advice. They want to be influenced. So let's show the data and, and create those partnerships to, to let brands kind of unleash that power. We're not hiding behind behind walls. And I think it's great for everyone. I think it's the way it should be. Uh, you want to unleash some power, much like a teenager, <laughs> much like a teenager growing up and just want somebody to do it for me. My kids to this day don't know how to vacuum because I have a robot that vacuums. So oh. let's go there. Let's go to the AI conversation. Yep, yep. Just do it for me, right? So it's kind of a thing lately. Robots taking over, AI. Look into your crystal ball for us. Forecast a little bit. What role will AI play in growing and expanding retail media networks, the growing up process? How's Pinterest interacting with AI? Yes, I, I love this question, and I I have been listening to so many podcasts lately where there's all these abstract, crazy discussions of of AI, and I'm like, what on earth are they talking about? It's you know things that are so abstract from reality. But what I think 
we're doing at Pinterest is we're really exploring some different creative solutions that hopefully are a little bit more pragmatic and down to earth in, in using generative AI to reduce the complexity and, and the workload in the RMN space. So that's kind of our angle is, is let's keep this simple and, and tackle a, a low-hanging fruit pain point. So you can picture a world where we all know we already receive you know, product feeds and, and you know, lists from, from retailers with thousands, mm -hmm. millions of SKUs. And, and you'll see a 12-ounce Corona bottle in, on a white background, and we can ingest that and you know, instantaneously create an ad. Already a step in the right direction to not have to manually create those, but no one on their Pinterest feed is going to look at a Corona bottle on a white background and be like, yes, I'm going to go to my local Jewel Osco and buy that thing. But if you had a background that you could you know, automatically create a beach background, a lovely white sand, you know, their whole ethos, and, and then have a couple hundred or thousand different iterations of that based on the geography where you're, you're serving the ad, that starts to get interesting. And we, we already know lifestyle imagery on Pinterest far outperforms simple product shots on a white background. So we're working on things like that to make it just a lot easier, take some of the dynamic creative and the, and the iteration pain points out of the ecosystem. Amazing. Yeah, maybe iterate on, on price and availability and, and a lot of our other data points too to help get that sale. Exactly. Oh, I love how much humanity you brought to that answer. I don't have much to add to it. You, you nailed it. The more we speak to the, the known part of it, like what are you trying to solve? Yeah the more AI is digestible, right? You, you've now taken it out of the, the theoretical, the science side of it, where it's going to solve the world's problems. And maybe that is going to happen. But today we have to solve known problems, which are performance, speed, payroll, creative versioning. All of those things are known commodities and we, we know what good looks like. And so when you put AI in a box next to that, like you just described, I didn't even know you could do the side-by-sides. It makes it much more tangible and real. And you've, you've focused it on a problem that's repeatable and it's where the money's going today. Yes, yeah. So now you've now you've built the trust and confidence. Now you can go to places where where maybe there hasn't been money spent in the past and you can start solving newer, bigger, stranger problems and you can confuse us next year when we interview you again. <laughs> but today it's all about getting current problems, which are I, I won't say they're simple, but they're much simpler than the abstract way that people speak of AI solving, you know, global issues. We have to tie it to tangible facts and then be able to prove those facts. Very similar to the clean room. You know, anyone who's worked on a clean room with, without tangible outputs knows it can take a year to get your models built, to get your separate data sets merged and purged and, and collected to, to the point where the scientists on both sides know what's happening. Uh, that's great for abstract and think tanks and uh, people that don't have to turn around performance on a six-week cycle. But when you purpose-build a, a clean room for, say, measurement or purpose-build an AI for creative generation, it's just so much more digestible and you get the feedback so much faster because you knew what it looked like before. You can continue to do it that way. And uh, the proof just shines um, so much brighter and in a much more manageable way. So we, we think about AI very much the same way. We're going down very similar paths. We'll, we'll have internal components, but we'll love to leverage um, the AI solutions that, that you provide as well. All right. So you both have touched on it. We've talked about, you, you mentioned A-B testing, the goal here, like which one performed better? So let's talk about incrementality a little bit and, and how that relates to, to what we do. Yeah. I'll give a little background on our incrementality story and why it's so important for us to, to achieve that with premium partners like Pinterest and then Carrie, take it away. Yeah. You know, our, just like our shoppers having higher expectations for quality products, quality pricing in stocks, our CPG investors, our CPG shoppers and customers have increasing expectations as well. And incrementality is one of those buzzwords that we, we should be providing, right? It's 
It's proof that not only did this ad drive a sale, so we have a known targeted audience, like individual one-to-one -one based on our CRM data. We can prove that they purchased not only that brand or that category, but that specific skew, that flavor of, of drink was purchased after they saw the ad, which is a very hard thing to do when you think about marketing in general. You could be talking to Dan on day one of the six-week campaign, again on day seven, and again on day 27. Evan is, is maybe only hit once. Carrie, you're, you're only hit at the beginning and not at the end. So not only do you have to manage attribution windows tied to ad exposure to prove that SKU level sale, you have to additionally go back and look at what was Carrie's purchase history before she made this purchase. Was that incremental to what you were normally going to buy? You know, we have brands like Tide and, and Cheez-Its where they're so loyal already and they're already selling mass volumes of product. They have a big category share. So they, they don't get excited about us saying, yeah, Dan bought your product. They want to know Dan was already buying your product, which is true for a lot of our, our kick-ass CPGs. Here's proof that they bought 10% more or one unit more than before. And, and now we're going to establish a new norm for that, that loyal brand buyer. And uh, that requires another level of science, a very scientific AB holdout group prior to the campaign going live so we don't have to gross up or do synthetic control on the back end. So it's another level of, of, of technical sophistication required to achieve it. And it does require a certain level of investment to get the volume of ads out there. But that's our expectation. That's our high water mark. We would love to bring incrementality to every measurement we provide back to CPGs, but it does require deep partnerships with off-platform partners to get there because we don't own and control the, the whole journey. I, I have very little to add. You're, you just heard about it from the master of explaining incrementality simply, but I think that's exactly right. We, we are endeavoring in our clean room partnerships to have incrementality measures and controls be part of that, that measurement framework that we're building towards. You know, start simpler and then get to the 201 and the 301 and say, you know, yeah. here's exactly the role our ad played in changing that consumer behavior. And I, I do think historically Pinterest has done incrementality work with Newstar and other third parties separate from RMN. And just by virtue mm -hmm. of our place in the path to purchase, we've historically time and again been shown to drive more incrementality than virtually any other social platform or digital platform. And that's, again, coming from a new star, a third party. So we love kind of giving over our data, letting them mine it and, and surfacing insights like that. And that's why we're confident in these clean rooms and in the RMN space, we'll continue to, to perform that way and, and drive um, different consumer behavior. We, we don't want credit for something we didn't do. Like if we got lucky and we're on a plan and people bought a lot of stuff, great. But if we want to make sure we're the ones driving driving that purchase and otherwise don't put us on the plan. Carrie, I've created, I've made a career out of taking credit for other people's work. So it's, it's, just embrace it. There we go. Hey, we, we've got uh, we have a couple questions we ask all of our guests. So yes. I'd like to throw them to you as we as we get close to wrapping. If you could change one thing about this industry, what would it be? Wave your magic wand. What is it? Yes, I love this. You ask this at the end of every podcast, so I prepared. Oh, I would say good. I would say I would change the tendency towards possessiveness of data. No one wins mm. if you're possessive with your data. And we've talked about that ad nauseum for the past hour, so I won't re-explain why, but we gotta we gotta get over that. I like that. I, hey, mm. it's not my data, right? <laughs> it's it's customer data. Yeah. We just have to yeah. be very careful in how we do it and make sure we're doing that's it respectfully, right. honestly, transparently, and and with the utmost respect for our, for for those that provide it with us. Yep. Yep. And then lastly, what are the next industry buzzwords? We love mm. playing buzzword bingo, you know, synergy, right? Whatever yeah. that is, finding our North Star. What's the next industry buzzwords that we should be on the lookout for for our, our crossword puzzle? Yeah. 
Well, we are, we just said two. We said incrementality and we said standardization oh. this hour. Okay, so. then you can't use those. No, they I won't use those. Good. Yep, yep. So if you prepared for this, mm, go off script. No, yeah. Now I got to okay. actually think. Okay. I was, <laughs> I was reading some trade press this week and there was the phrase unification was thrown around. And we actually Ooh. had an RMN kind of internal brain trust meeting at Pinterest this week. And everyone was like, oh, unification. That's a new one. But I kind of like it. I think it speaks to what we said in the beginning of this of this talk about unifying all the different, you know, people along on, on your side, on our side, all the different stakeholders, bring them to the table, have them kind of puke out what they're worried about, about where to put an ad on, on your website, about how much data to share, how to measure, what what window are we looking at? If you can kind of focus on the, the unification of, of stakeholders. That's probably at the heart of some of this. I think I think that you can use it in a lot of ways, but that's the context I heard it set in, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's something to aspire to. Not oh, only I love that. That's great. Yeah. Our version of that is trying to bring our CPGs and merchant and media conversations together so we can have one unified plan for the year, yep. get out of our six-week cycle on media. The merchants have figured it out. They'll do one-year, two-year, three-year plans. They need to for some of their, their lead times, but why not have a media plan that supports it? And then why not bring publishers in as well? So now you've got Pinterest products in store, online, measurements playing a role. Those can all live and breathe together better if all the cards are on the table. I was a little hopeful because the letter U for unification, I thought that would be a little higher as a point total on Scrabble, but it's only one one point. Oh, Can you do better, Dan? You got a better word? God, no. No, no, that one had a lot of syllables in it for this guy, but... Carrie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today and in the garage with us and, and helping us get out of this awkward teenage stage and, <laughs> and help the rest of the, the industry grow up, as it were. So thank you so much for being here and, and letting us pick your brain. It has been an honor. It has been so much fun. I love talking to you both and, and many more conversations to come. Awesome. Evan, anything for the good of the order before I wrap us up? No, I'm just going to lean into the the level of um, empathy and compassion that Pinterest leadership has brought since day one in a world where social platforms can sometimes carry some, some attitudes and egos, yeah. Pinterest has, has navigated beautifully and I would say perfectly all of those relationships and, and they're why we look to you for, for partnerships and new innovations because the trust and the confidence is, is there from, from your first engineer all the way up to the C-suite, we know we're going to get treated fairly and uh, and be able to innovate together with respect and uh, do what's best for our shoppers and our CPG customers. Uh, Wow. I mean, thank you for saying that. That's what we endeavor to. We always hold ourselves to a high bar and and you're making me blush like an awkward teenager, but uh, this is is good. That's what we want to do. We want to do different business differently and do it the right way. So thank you for saying that. All right, everybody, we've reached the end. It's time to clean up. You know, we can sing the clean up, clean up everywhere everybody everywhere song if you like or we can just trust you to put away all your tools and wipe off the grease from your hands before you leave and head to class but this has been another episode of the garage evan thank you so much for for including everybody into this endeavor and if you like what you hear please go like subscribe follow us send us an email talk to us we're we're accessible and we'd love to hear from everybody out there thank you so much for joining us and until next time we'll see you again in the garage